probably one of the big arguments I've had with my husband is over pineapple. He doesn't think it belongs on a pizza. So it's a big debate in our house. Expand that man's perspective. Untaped Wisdom, Deep Dips, the podcast where we take a quick but deep dip into the world of relationship marketing. Kevin Sanders, welcome back to Uncaged Wisdom, this time Deep Dips. It's lovely to see you again. Glad to be here. Today, we're going to be focusing more on the evolution of restaurant loyalty programs. Hey, y'all. Just like Lone Star State, when summer rolls around, Torchies delivers some serious heat. Settling for anything less would be about as welcome as a porcupine at a nudist colony. Kevin, just to to refresh people's memories, what are some of the different roles you've played in the restaurant space? I spent most of my career on the marketing side, uh, both in consumer products goods as well as in, in restaurants. And I was head of marketing for a restaurant chain, a fast casual chain here in the US, and also spent time on the digital ordering side in the marketing technology space, and also doing some consulting in the restaurant space. So I probably spent you know about 13 or so years uh, in the restaurant space and both on the supplier side now, but also uh, on the uh, operator side. The worst vice is advice. Kevin, to start off, my latest feature, sympathy for the devil's advocate. So I'm going to read a statement to you and we're just going to roll with uh, your reactions to it because it will help inform the rest of the conversation today. I'm going to set this up as this is from a restaurant marketer. I'm frustrated with my current loyalty efforts and I'm thinking of suspending the program. I'm just not getting back the return of investment we need. Well, it's uh, certainly a sentiment that we hear a lot lately. Um, as pro- as folks start to really reevaluate the loyalty programs that they have in place. You know, about five years ago, maybe a little bit longer, was really the time when everyone sort of had to get a loyalty program. And so a lot of the restaurant chains out there were sort of signing up for these loyalty programs and really not spending a whole lot of time at, at that point figuring out how to make these programs really work for the customers that are out there and really sort of drive the behavior change that is critical to to boost that ROI. And so what we find now is a lot of folks out there with very similar programs, these kind of earn and burn programs in the marketplace that are fairly ubiquitous. And as a result, consumers are not being moved to action uh, by them anymore. And so what we find is these programs are not inexpensive to operate, right? From a from a franchise perspective, you've got not only the cost of the program, but you certainly have the cost of any discounts or, or comps that you're doing as part of the program. And, uh, and those can add up. And so if you're not getting the behavior change, if you're not getting folks to do something that they weren't already planning to do, then it really is hard to make those programs a positive ROI if you really go back and look at those programs. Before digitalization, what was the, the origins of, of, of loyalty to begin with? Before everything, you know, you had a, a, a mobile wallet or a phone or you had ways to redeem things digitally. Yeah, it was the old paper punch cards, right? It was the, the cards you would get at the register that were the, you know, sort of buy 10, get one free kind of example at your local coffee shop or your local sandwich shop. And every time you came in, you handed the card over and they punched it and gave you another another punch. And that's kind of where we got the name punch card from. And that was the the sort of initial programs. They were uh, very much analog, so to speak, as opposed to digital. And you had people losing them and they were, you know, destroyed or people were, you know, really not able to track them very well in terms of, you know, uh, who was using them and why they were using them. So 
you know, they had all the limitations of all the other sort of paper products that you have in the marketplace now. And, and the reality was the, the big missing piece for the operators was all the customer data, really that understanding of who was using it, how often they were using it, what were they using it for, and being able to track and gather all of that customer data that could help you know, inform uh, how they operated the business moving forward. Really, was it just working at how to get that paper world into the digital realm? Or was, was there anything that was added at that very first step? Or was it really just actually, we need to convert what we were doing in paper form and how we were giving out offers and then put that into some sort of digital environment. Yeah, that's a, exactly right. This this kind of corresponded with the growth of mobile apps and suddenly you had this opportunity to create an app that could could effectively digitize your your punch card program. And so now you had the ability to you know capture some customer data with respect to sort of who was using it. Uh, but even at the time, we didn't really have all that sophisticated, you know, data capture and data management capabilities. So, oftentimes, it was just a more convenient way for somebody to, you know, get their punches. And so, the the programs evolved from kind of no program to these digital punch card or these uh, non digital punch cards to to effectively a digital punch card. But the programs themselves were effectively the same. They didn't really kind of look at how the structure of the programs was organized in a way that would really optimize uh, usage and frequency and spend and so forth. So uh, they were simply just a more convenient, better version of what they already had. I, I know that I still have stacks of cards that I don't use that I'm still getting now from coffee shops in New York or donut shops, and I just don't use them again. They don't know who I am in our world is that what we class as first generation loyalty or is the first gen loyalty of these programs the next step along the program structure hasn't really changed it was kind of this earn and burn program so you were acquiring points and then you were able to redeem those points for some sort of you know reward whether that was a free food or some sort of discounts and it really when we talk about first gen versus next gen it's really focused on the structure of the programs uh, more so than the um, you know, the way the program is, is sort of being redeemed and distributed in the marketplace. So first gen to me is a very transaction focused uh, loyalty program. Again, it could be a punch card or, or kind of points based programs, um, but the offers are generally generic. The promotions are generally generic, sort of everybody gets the same one. Again, back when I was uh, head of marketing, we ran a, a double points Tuesday and it was sort of available to everybody all, you know, every Tuesday. And people that came in on Tuesday got double points, whether they even knew it was double points Tuesday or not, uh, they were getting those double points. And again, it was just a lack of sophistication in the technology that prevented us from getting very personalized or uh, very specific in the way that we were delivering offers to, to individuals. And so for me, when I think about first generation, I'm thinking about kind of this, you know, one size fits all uh, program that is not really is rewarding kind of past behavior in terms of the things that you had already done, um, more so than trying to drive future behavior. Uh, I did want to call out the evolution of one of our clients as well, partly because the name of their program. Um, so it's Baker's Delight and the program is called Dough Getters always a fan of a pun so that, that's a winner um so they had stamp card for 20 years they knew it was time to evolve um and they wanted something simple valuable personal um and i like the way that they they did a proof of concept 16 weeks eight bakeries uh, just in one region uh with the goal to 
to increase uh, visits and transaction spend, which they saw going from once a month to two per month. Um, and then, you know, from the success of that, rolling that out um, across Australia and New Zealand. So I thought that was a really nice, um, we've got the Burger King example, but this one actually, you know, uh, seeing that as, as, a, as a client there. Seeing the same thing with uh, Bloomin' Brands, uh, who have gone back and sort of reinvented or reimagined their program based on, you know, better data, more uh, effective use of that data to understand how to drive that behavior change throughout the program uh, that is really critical to making that work. So both of those folks have sort of evolved from, again, these transaction-based first-gen programs into what I would consider to be more uh, second-generation programs, where they look at how do we drive engagement, how do we drive participation, and ultimately, how do we drive personalization in these programs um, You know that, again, will really allow the customer to um, get more from the program in a way that it motivates and incentivizes them to perhaps do additional things that they weren't already intending to do. So whether that is, you know, coming in extra more more often, you know, sort of driving that frequency or potentially if they're spend or spend based programs, um, then, you know, spending more uh, using the program more often in different ways to, again, to, to make sure that uh, that behavior change is happening, which is really fundamental to driving the ROI in these programs. Do you remember any particular brand or, or, or structure that, that made that first leap into this more next generational um, approach? There's been several attempts to try to get this to, you know, to work. Um, so folks started adding, you know, gamification elements into the program. Um, people started running, you know, these coalition programs, which are, you know, how do you earn rewards uh, through, you know, one brand and be able to maybe spend them at a different brand. You know, I think back to the old, you know, Plenty program and these other coalition programs where you're trying to create more value in the program to get people to engage with and use the program more uh, because you're you're making the overall program sort of different and uh, ultimately more valuable to the customer. So there's been a, a number of different folks that have tried different things like that. You know, o- over time, some of them have been um Run, you know, run effectively in terms of the the structures and the programs. Other ones, not so much. Um, but I think where we find ourselves today is everybody has a loyalty program, and so simply having one is not enough. And so it's it's more around what are you doing with your program to not only make it something different and special, but also make it more highly engageable, engaging, and then more sort of personalized uh, to deliver those those more effective incentives to the consumer. And so um, I think what we've seen very recently, sort of in the last 12 to to 24 months, is people coming back and really needing to reevaluate what they're doing. They've either run the ROI in the program and realized that it's simply not effective the way they've had it structured, or they're simply recognizing that while people are signing up for the program, they're not using the program. They're not redeeming it. They're not collecting points. And if they're collecting points, they're not redeeming the points. And so they may, you may have got them to successfully download the app or sign up for the program, but that's not enough, right? It's, it's how you get those people to begin to use that program in a way, as, as we've been talking about, that really changes behavior, really gets them to do something different. I'm going to steal this directly from you, Kevin, because most of my education in this space and uh, especially around loyalty in restaurants is from you. One of my favorite double P's that you put together at the heart of uh, Next Gen Loyalty is 
participation and personalization. Maybe we could start off there. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, the idea that it, it needs to be participatory, so it needs to drive engagement with with the, the way that you've set up the structure, uh, whether that's using things like you know, social sharing or referrals, or I mentioned a lot of gamification is being used right now, or other types of contests or being more effective at sort of geolocating uh, the program and being able to deliver rewards, um, you know, when, when folks are engaging directly in the store. So we're trying to drive traffic to the stores. You know, there's a number of pieces that have been really around or within the programs all along that brands are now really starting to focus on to, to continue to drive that engagement uh, with their customers. And then the next step becomes, how do we use the data that we're collecting and the information that we're collecting about our customers to really make those programs more personalized. So we're personalizing the offers, we're personalizing the promotions, um, perhaps making them exclusive to certain tiers, for example, or making the rewards themselves experiential. And so we're really taking that that idea of the incentive or the the motivator up to the next level by making it better match uh, what the customer finds valuable. And that is where really we begin to see the ROI take off on these programs. It's one thing to, you know, sort of incentivize by using a point-based system. And there's nothing wrong with point-based system. And, you know, I certainly don't want to, you know, pretend like those are those are not effective. I mean, they can very well be effective. Um, but beyond that, it's how are you making that program, you know, really address the specific uh, in, uh, way that that customer is engaging with your brand. And so, um, the technology exists now, and if you can get all of the pieces of your tech stack, of your marketing tech stack working together, you can really leverage not only the data capture, but all of the different tools. You know, I talk about getting your offers, your data, and your loyalty kind of all under the same umbrella, because if you have all of those seamlessly integrated, you can get to the point where you're able to personalize offers in real time. And that is where, that's the sort of holy grail that we're all trying to get to, is how do we deliver the right offer to the right person at the right moment, um, because that's when you start to see that incredible um, response uh, from your loyalty members in a way that can drive your business. With these kind of programs, you can collect all sorts of different data points and therefore the opportunity to communicate in a, in a much more personalized way. Uh, that's a lost opportunity if people aren't doing that, would you say? Absolutely. And so, you know, this idea of personalization, when you think about it, it's kind of a range, right? We, we can talk about sort of personalizing communications in the sense of like, you know, hello, Diva, you know, something as simple as that through an email. But what we're really trying to get to is being able to understand how, you know, in my example, Diva is engaging with my brand and then being able to deliver uh, rewards and offers through these communication channels directly to, to that individual. So if Diva, for example, prefers... Uh, text and Julian prefers email, you know, the, part of the personalization process from a messaging standpoint is to deliver the right message through the right channel for that customer, right? So they'll engage with it more, more effectively. Um, and then again, you get to the point where you're talking about how do we personalize offers? How do we drive the next best action or the next best experience uh, for each of these guests, really all the way down to an individual level uh, which again is now possible on on platforms like the Cheetah platform, because again, if we can get all of those components working together, your offers, your messages, and your data, now we're able to kind of drive that uh, engagement through the program 
in, in real time at scale. And that's where we're really trying to get to. I think it's particularly interesting with a family of brands. Um, and we see this in CPG as well. It's understanding things about them that could show their interest in one of your other brands, not just the one that they are engaging with at the moment. Absolutely. And in the restaurant space, there's a number of what I'll call these portfolio brands, right? These these larger parent brands that have a number of sub-brands underneath them that they manage. And, and you know, while you can manage those programs as individual separate loyalty programs, for example, uh, the real power comes in being able to manage them up at the parent level such that we can start to do this, you know, sort of cross-sell or cross-optimization of a given customer throughout your portfolio, not just at an individual brand. And so if you've got, for example, uh, you know, a sandwich brand and you're able to then tie that into a, an ice cream brand, for example, and really begin to look at that customer, not from an individual brand perspective, but from an overall uh, organization or corporate perspective. And how are we able to take that customer and really leverage them throughout our portfolio? And, and again, the Cheetah platform is uh, unique and especially effective at managing um, up at that customer level, up at that uh, you know, at that portfolio level, and then being able to drive the executions down at the individual brand level. Right, I like sandwiches and ice cream, but I may not know that they're both owned by the same brand as a consumer. I don't think you often realize that it's a family of brands. Right, and they don't even really need to. Right, I mean the fact that I am getting, um, you know, that I'm I'm engaging with uh, you know a fast casual brand in the sandwich space. And next thing I know, I'm getting promotions for something, um, you know, another brand that is potentially in my same area that could also that I could also frequent. You know, we talk about share of stomach as a concept in the restaurant space. You know, like you know, share of wallet is something other folks talk about, but a share of stomach. Like we're all going to eat, you know, pretty much the same general meals during the day, right? And so, three day at least three times a day, I as a consumer have a decision to make about sort of what meal I'm going to consume. And so that gives the the brands an opportunity to come back and say, how do I gain more of that share, you know, over the course of the, you know a month or a year, um, and how can I leverage the fact that I've got multiple brands in my portfolio potentially offering different eating occasions um, to really gain that share of stomach. I love that term. But everyone knows there's a different stomach for sweet food, right? There's an extra stomach. That's right. You're a cow, Edives. You have multiple stomachs. Yes. When it comes to dessert, yes. <laughs> and it's important to keep those both stomachs full. I don't know how many stomachs I've got because I'm a fan of ice cream sandwiches. So I've just taken two things and sm smudged them into one. So I'm, I'm a right mess. I am having a love affair with this ice cream sandwich. You want some? You want to take a a couple other things I just want to like really maybe isolate and talk about more. One connection between messaging and personalization. I kind of look at the steps of the process as sort of like the first one being sort of integration, right? This idea that we need to get our data, our offers, and our messages all seamlessly integrated. Um, and that's kind of the integration step. And there's lots of brands in the marketplace right now that are struggling with this integration step because they're trying to, they may have all of the pieces, but they don't have them all working together. Uh, and you, that's the first step of this, this engagement process. You have to have them all kind of working together. The second piece then becomes the orchestration, right? How do we begin to develop the audiences and the campaigns um, and really the automations that allow some of these, these things to work on their own so that you not everything has to be a manual process um, just from an efficiency standpoint. 
And then third really becomes the automation. And if you get the integration and the orchestration together, that's how you get to this idea of personalization. So really increasing the relevancy of the communications and the offers, uh, increasing the saliency of those, meaning that they're happening in real time so that you can engage that person directly when they're in that in that occasion. Um, and then that's where really, again, we, we see this enormous boost in program performance when we can get to that level. So, you know, integration, getting all of your technologies to work together, whether they're all under the same umbrella or whether they're all just seamlessly integrated to the extent that that's possible uh, in your tech stack. The orchestration, then develop, developing the customer journeys, developing the campaigns, developing the programs so they can run uh, in an autonomous way. Uh, and that's what will help get you to the point where you can then uh, get to that real-time personalization piece that is so critically important. We're using the data that's available. How are brands like the, the ones we're discussing trying to work out better offers for people? What can the data do to help predict and get more from, from users? That's a really messy question, but hopefully you can see where I'm going. I think, I mean, there's lots of, the, the biggest challenge in the restaurant space is there's lots of data streams, right? There's lots of various um, streams of data that restaurants are collecting about their customers, whether it's it's in-store through the point of sale, whether it's through the mobile app, uh, perhaps through you know an online uh, or an off-premise ordering platform or third-party delivery, or really all of these areas where you're able to capture engagement and, and customer data. It's getting all of those to kind of work together so that you can form an idea of how an individual customer is engaging with your brand. That is the key to being able to then provide them with the, the offers and the communications that, are, that are, are likely to be most stimulating to them uh, in a way that, again, you know, drives that behavior change that we're, that we're hitting on all day today. And so if your program is you know, really just another Me Too program that you've kind of set and forget uh, five years ago, um, you know, likely it's not uh, an ROI positive program for, for you. And you need to go back and take a look at that because you're probably over discounting to your existing customers and not getting that uh, behavior change that you need to make the program effective. We mentioned behavioral changes and that sort of being at the heart of, of yeah, why we're doing all this. Um, what are some of the, the behavioral changes that run through the thoughts of a restaurant marketer? If you ask any sort of restaurant person, uh, sort of what, what, what metric would they like to drive uh, they're all going to say frequency, right? The fact of the matter is getting more folks to come into your restaurant more often is really what we want to, to have happen. And so frequency is clearly number one, right? Spend is the second one. So not just come into the store, come into the restaurant more often, but but spend more when you do. And so, again, we know that there's, again, different levers that you can pull to try to drive that spend. Uh, but creating a program around that is another important component of your loyalty platform. Um, and beyond that, there's things like menu adoption. So how do we get folks, for example, to explore our menu and try new items or try LTOs or try different day parts? If we've got folks that are coming in uh, primarily for lunch, how do we get them to come in for dinner? And so there's, there's you know, sort of moving folks, you know, around the, the, the occasions and the menu, um, driving trial, for example, of, of new, uh, new items you're bringing out. You know, so 
that's another big one. And then and then margin really becomes the sort of the, the one on top of that. How do we start to drive our higher margin products? But those are, you know, those are sort of more sophisticated uh, metrics that we can look at. Primarily, we're looking at driving frequency and spend are probably the two two most important ones. I mentioned that, Kevin, because when when you and I discuss and, and uh, us on the call, we do we talk about restaurant and restaurant loyalty. Um, it always strikes me how relevant the lessons and the things that restaurant marketers are trying is relevant to other industries and other brands who are completely away, who are sending you know, retailers, an example. I mean, there is quite a natural uh, companionship there, but there's so many things that could be applied. Even some of our, you know, finance brands and sporting brands that we work with, some of the things that the restaurant uh, marketers are thinking about, very, very good lessons to, to take across a different industry. You know, I think there's that that speaks to the idea of there's value in working with providers out there that work across various industries because we know that different industries are sort of in different places on the maturity curve here, right? CPG, retail, they've been dealing with data and some of these types of programs, you know, for many more years than the restaurants have. And so many of those folks have evolved to really kind of push the boundaries of the way some of these programs are being communicated. And, you know, being able to work with a company that works across all these different industries that can bring these best practices and bring these learnings from other industries um, is really, I think, valuable uh, to, to restaurant brands today. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of providers out in the marketplace that are very specific in the, in the industries that they come, that they work in. Um, but I think there's value to working with one that has a, a broader diversity of client bases and in different industries they work with. I have a tangent topic, you know, don't know if it'll make the cut, but do you see what Domino's were doing last year where they were buying up local restaurant vouchers essentially and saying you don't have to order through us but order through your local restaurants and giving vouchers and I just thought that was it's more around that values and supporting you know local community I just thought that was a really interesting play I saw it on tv and I was like okay that's that's a bold move they're looking at different ways to try to drive engagement with their program and to drive engagement through adding value and so if there's ways um, that brands can look at their program sort of more broadly than just you know, how do we create points for food? Um, but looking at opportunities like that, and there's other brands out there that are doing the same types of things, because once you get people using your program uh, regularly, once they see it as valuable and will use it more often, you know, that's the gateway then to, to being able to deliver the programs uh, that are really going to boost uh, the performance of the program through some of the personalization tactics and tools that we've talked about. So, you know, Domino's has always been one of the brands that has not been afraid to to try different things, to try to drive that engagement, and it's worked for them. I mean, simply look at the performance of their program. Um, it works. Um, and so uh, another great example of this idea of next-gen loyalty playing out uh, in the marketplace. Geez, brilliant tangent, because that's just spurred a, a quick idea. Domino's made the point there's lots of third-party companies who are fulfilling the orders between restaurant and then End, end stomach, as we can call it. We, you know, we've helped brands try and uh, fill the gap in the middle there because what they're missing is the direct information and relationship with a customer. And although they can't necessarily circumvent the, 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 the third party, there are ways that they can put either a, a, a code or a, a, a reference or a coupon to get them to, to register so they, can, they know a little bit about the, the customer themselves. 
just briefly, Kevin, have you, you know, what sort of thoughts have you had with like the, the third party and how a brand can potentially re- regain the relationship that might otherwise be lost? Well, that's been a, a significant challenge in the marketplace because folks who are coming onto these third party uh, marketplaces um, and using whether it's a Grubhub or a, uh, you know, Uber Eats or anything else like that. I mean, they own the customer, correct? They can forward the order through, but there's no identifying information in that order that allows you to tie it back to a customer. And so the more orders go through those platforms, the less the brands themselves um, own own those individual customers. So, you know, we without getting too deep into it, we have a number of tools and, and techniques and programs that many of our brands uh, and clients have used to try to gain, regain those customers from the third-party marketplaces. And um, again, we have some some technologies that that we're happy to discuss with with folks who are interested in in tackling that piece of it because it's it's real. And I think we're all realizing that it's not going to go away anytime soon. And so it has to be something where the brands retain or gain uh, the 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 customer data from those transactions to the best as possible, or and or move them onto. Uh, their own platforms for for reorders because the more loyalty you're driving through those other apps the less loyalty you're driving through your brand itself own your data wherever possible to to be the masters of your own uh, destiny that was quite poetic out of nowhere by me just to to do a quick recap you know we today thanks to kevin and your time we've we've gone through the evolutionary steps of of loyalty programs in the restaurant space from paper punch cards right through to what we've discussed discussed as next gen loyalty um some of the things that just stuck out in my mind are you know the the two p's that make at the heart of um next gen participation and personalization and kevin actually i really really like the steps that you made when thinking through setting this up integration orchestration and automation that really sort of combine into the personalization element of it so uh we don't have to discuss any that again just re-listen diva um take us home so ask you anything uh we'll see if this gets a share of your stomach um hot topic does pineapple belong on a pizza? Yes or no? No, uh, absolutely. Pineapple belongs on a yes. pizza. Uh, there aren't many things <laughs> that don't belong uh, on a pizza. So yeah, no um, judgment. <laughs> yeah, none whatsoever. Uh, you know, like all pizzas, you know, it depends on kind of you know the combinations that you put together to whether that is a you know how good that pizza can be. But your basic Hawaiian pizza is a fantastic collection of of ingredients, including pineapple. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. I know you're very busy, so I appreciate you chatting to us. Nah, happy to do it anytime. Enjoy the conversation. Right, you'll have five minutes to complete your exam. Your time starts when I serve your dish. Understood? Yes, yes chef. chef! Your dish is... Pineapple pizza. Are you Uncaged Wisdom is shot in front of a live audience, mainly producer Jennifer Yaden, hosted by Julian Bracey Davis and Diva Renton Rodericks. Subscribe for even more deep dips. Hashtag just the tip of the iceberg. Cheetah Digital 2022, y'all.